From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up Presents, Danny Flecka, Weekly Spot, here on the show. We're on a Friday, October 29th, 2021, big weekend in sports up ahead on the football side. It started last night with that showdown in Arizona where Aaron Rodgers uh, ultimately comes out on top over the Cardinals and Kyler Murray, although... You know, that could have gone either way. Um, I, I think, just for the folks out there, you're you're somebody who prides himself on being a very high-caliber flag football quarterback. When you're in crunch time and, and, and you've got everything happening so fast, um, can you explain to the folks out there how somebody like A.J. Green can just flat-out not look for the ball? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I heard that he maybe thought the play was going to the other side of the field, but regardless, he was running like he was blocking. Like yeah. it, was, it was a replay, which situationally would have made no sense. No timeouts. Um, you know, on the Cardinals end, you were inside the ten yard line. So if you ran the ball, you either had to get out of bounds or score, and, and that's just a low percentage play in, in that moment of the game. So. I don't know what he was doing, what he thought. Even if the, the the play was coming to the other side of the field, you know, you should still be ready, you know, for an audible or, or change of play or, or even just have your head turned around. He he just attacked that corner like it was a run play and he was blocking and it made no sense to me. And I could understand if it was a rookie, um, you know, or somebody called up from the practice squad not understanding what the, the audibles or the play changes might be. But you're talking about a guy that's uh, – 10, 11 year league vet that has been in these situations before and has been the primary target in these situations before. So, you know, the, just dumb play on his part, you know, poor awareness. Uh, and, you know, at the end of the day, cost the Cardinals an opportunity for a win because of the interception. You know, if that pass is incomplete, so be it, right? You're probably just looking at them kicking a field goal going to overtime and, and who knows what happens. But um, just, you know, inexcusable uh, awareness on his part. And I don't know how he, how he thought that that play was a running play. Even though I think the play may have gotten changed, he, he, he got off that line looking to block somebody, not run around. Yeah, that was crazy. On the other side, everybody's going to talk about the Aaron Jones touchdown that got overturned and whether you saw enough evidence uh, for him being down short and I'm with you that I believe he was down short I was just surprised the booth overturned it but they did but here's the thing about this if you assume that Devontae Adams and all these other pieces that were out due to COVID-19 come back and you look at the night that Aaron Jones had and the night that Dalton had um, and, 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 and you put that all together I think I have the wrong name for a Packer running back. I don't think it's Dalton. Um, but when you put that all together, um, that's one big potent Packer attack. And I would have to assume the proof that they can run the football, A, and B, the proof that they don't need all their pieces to put up 31 points or 27, whatever it wound up being, um, has, has got to be a real confidence booster for both Matt LaFleur and this offense. Yeah, the, the game plan the Packers came out with was exactly what I thought they would do. Run the ball, quick passes, 
rivet mistakes, you know, for the wide receivers to make in their route tree, and really just go after the Cardinals' defense. And they did that to a great, you know, execution. You know, Aaron Jones was phenomenal yesterday. A lot of good, good runs by him. Some big pass plays to him as well. AJ Dillon pounded the rock. Yeah, um, there you go, Dylan, not Dalton. Was, Sorry about that. Was missing, and no worries. Was, you know, people were missing tackles on him left and right. A, a lot of really gutsy runs too by both of them to get the extra yardage in the first downs and the touchdowns they've got. Um, and again, then you saw Aaron Rodgers make throws and, and get people involved when he had to do it. Do I thought it, do I think it was the best game Rodgers has played? Absolutely not. There are a lot of execution blunders on the Packers part, you know, wasting their timeouts early in the second half. Uh, forcing them to take that delay of game penalty inside the, you know, inside the one yard line. So a lot of things that probably would have not have happened if he had his full complement of weapons out there. But what I saw from the Packers is what I expected. And I was surprised by how well they're able to execute it. And then on top of that, when you've got someone like Aaron Rodgers, you know that he's going to be able to control and manipulate the game, even with, you know, subpar weapons, which is what he was able to do yesterday. You know, they were, uh, playing very, a too high safety look, even with the wide receivers that were out there, afraid that they were going to get beat deep. But Aaron Rodgers just kept taking the ball off, and they never adjusted. So um, I think there's a lot that the Cardinals need to look at. You know, after this game, there are some things the Packers need to clean up as well on their end. But I told you yesterday when we talked about this game before, I was like, I'm not going to bet against Aaron Rodgers, and I did it. And I took him, and I and I thought the Packers would keep it close. They played defense well enough in the first, you know. I'd say, you know, 35 minutes of that game, they kind of uh, let things open up a little bit uh, after they got that interception. But, um, you know, hell of a performance by that Packers team that was undermanned on a short week on the road and to go able to, to go in there and be able to, to really, you know, take the game to the Cardinals was really impressive. Uh, real quick, when you look at... Uh, the Cardinal team going forward now. They get the mini-buy. They come back against, I believe, it's San Francisco. Um, you hope Kyler Murray's okay. He seemed to say after the game he was okay, even though he got his ankle caught up um, on a tackle. If you're the Cardinals, what's your number one need, both to fix the rest of the way and, and, and maybe what do you try to trade for with the trade deadline coming next week, knowing you don't have J.J. Watt now for the rest of the year? Yeah, I think they need another pass rusher, um, and that was evident, uh, you know, yesterday. And I think that with you know Watt done for the year, that's probably their number one priority. Uh, from a schematic standpoint, I, I was surprised they abandoned the run. Um, you know, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman were talking about how good of a run team, run team the Cardinals have been over the, the year. I didn't really see a lot there that, that showed to me that they were really committed to the run last night. Kyler Murray was skittish a little bit. I don't know if he's 100% healthy, even though he did get banged up at the end of the game. I think he's off a little bit with his either shoulder or, you know, his finger was wrapped up and his pinky on his throwing hand. So he seemed a little bit off, too. Um, and they need Hopkins to come back and be healthy because I think that all, you know, I know he's not putting up the numbers that everyone expects. That entire offense looks different without him on the field. So uh, those are the things that I would I would take away if I was the Cardinals from yesterday. You know, get back to the run game, get Hopkins healthy, see if you can find a, a bargain, you know, pass rusher to, to bookend Chandler Jones and Marcus Golden on, on the edges there. Uh, but overall, you know, they're still a pretty good team. I thought their defense was a little bit, you know, lazy last night. Um, but, you know, when you're playing Rodgers, it's really tough. 
you know, to, to come out and say that, you know, the defense is going to have a good performance. And let's not forget that the Cardinals' last three, you know, Cardinals' defense really hasn't played a murderous row of quarterbacks this year. You know, they've got Trevor Lawrence, uh, and Herb Baker Mayfield, Davis Mills, Trey Lance on his first start. So um, definitely a learning lesson for the Cardinals as they, they go into the stretch run here. They still have a ton of divisional games left. So we'll, we'll see what, what how they bounce back after this loss. Danny Flecko with us here on Teeing It Up on a Friday, October 29th. Um, all right, college football, quote-unquote statement Saturday is how ESPN is terming it. Um, let's just go game by game, slot by slot, and just run through these. You start with Michigan, Michigan State. I I assume the biggest storyline is, I, I feel like with Michigan there's two storylines. Number one is, is this team legit? And we're going to ask this question every single week until either somebody beats them or they end up in the playoffs. Number two is, can they beat Ohio State? And that will be answered, obviously, in a couple weeks if they beat Michigan State. Um, tomorrow. So as you look at this game, a surprising Michigan State team to even be in this position, they're, they're number eight, Michigan's number six. How do you view this game tomorrow noon on Fox? Yeah, I, I expect a rock fight. I think both defenses are going to get after it. I think there's a lot um, of sloppy play ahead of us as well. Neither of these teams are efficient passing teams. Uh, Michigan is going to look to run the ball probably 40 times in this game. Michigan State is going to have to hold up against the run. Uh, I think both defenses are going to dictate this game, especially early, as these teams fill each other out. Uh, the, the line indicates toss-up, you know, minus four and a half. I, I do like Michigan in this game to win it. I don't know if they cover or not. Michigan State's done really well in these games, especially against Michigan. I don't know, though, if Michigan State has the experience to uh, pull this one out, in a sense. They've had some struggles of Big Ten play, a couple of close games, you know, against Indiana and against uh, Nebraska. Uh, I, I think Michigan, you know, just has something going this year, and, and I think overall they just have better players when you really break it down, you know, position by position. But I do expect a very close game, low-scoring defense, dictating the game, uh, you know, so I think Michigan comes away with this one, but they're going to have to earn it. It's um, it's certainly interesting, two 7-0 teams, um, and, and the fact that everybody seems to want Jim Harbaugh's job, uh, you know, uh, want him gone after every year. Um, this would be a heck of a way to make a statement, not just in terms of your fate in the playoff, but also your fate uh, with your fan base and, and, and try to earn some of them back. We have said all year, you have said all year, uh, that you view Georgia on a different line than, than all the other teams in the SEC. They face Florida. I've heard a whole bunch of people say this is the one game that Georgia might lose before the SEC championship game against Alabama. Are, are they on to something, or is this also going to be a dominant Georgia win, even though Florida has shown flashes, including against Alabama, of you know, some some big wins for that program as they rebuild. This is a dangerous game for Georgia, in my opinion. Um, this is the best team they'll have on their schedule until the SEC championship game. Florida, at this point, you know, knows they can't win the SEC East, but they know they can ruin Georgia's season. Um, for that reason, you know, I think Florida is one of their one of the most dangerous teams they're going to play this year. They have a decent enough defense, I think, that can maybe you know hold up for a decent amount of this game. 
But my word is Florida and really, really taking it to Georgia. It comes on the offensive side and their inefficiency at quarterback. Um, you know, they're going to have to make some big plays in the run game. I, I know, are they going to be able to do that? I guess that, you know, very stout Georgia line. I, I don't know. They might be able to break up a couple of plays here and there, but I don't think consistently do it for 60 minutes. I just think Georgia is going to just have a tough time tomorrow. I just think that with, with Florida and their, you know, their mindset coming into this game, they had a bye, so they probably were able to scheme stuff up. Dan Mullins done a great job in these types of games, you know, coaching Florida. Uh, you know, 14 points is also a lot. I took Florida at 14 and a half just because I think it's going to be a close game. Um, and, and, you know, I still think at the end of the day, you know, people might not admit it or want to say because of that Georgia defense. I do think Stenson Bennett, if he is starting, is limited, uh, you know, as far as his ceiling goes for this team. And if it is a close game, if they aren't ahead, how are they attacking Florida after at that point? Um, I, I just don't think they have the explosiveness. One thing they've been fortunate enough to do in these games is play, you know, ahead. Uh, but we'll see what that looks like if, you know, they're, they're down. Not, not to say that I think they're going to be trailing in this game, but I do think it's going to be closer than most people think. Danny Flecker with us here on Teeing It Up. And that brings us then to Ohio State and Penn State. Now, this is the game that all Penn State fans thought could be their big rearrival on the potential playoff stage. Instead, they lose a nine-overtime game. Um, so we start here, Danny. In your history of playing sports, what is the most amount of overtimes you've ever played? Uh, one. <laughs> okay, there, there you go. Um, I was also in two golf playoffs. I think both, both also ended on the first playoff hole. Um, I can't imagine what that must be like. What, what kind of a letdown that is to lose two. Um, Illinois of all people um, it, it just has to be a huge letdown for Penn State fans so now you turn around you have to go to the you know you have to go to the horseshoe and you have an Ohio State team that senses an opportunity here that if they can win this game and then beat Michigan if Michigan wins or whatever the case may be they can work their way back into the playoff discussion depending on what happens with Bama and how all this stuff in the Big Ten shakes out um and the rest of the big 10 shakes out and then overall when when you look at the country so i guess this comes down to how badly do you want at penn state and how healthy is sean clifford um because clearly they do not want to play nine overtimes again clearly there's some very frustrated penn state players and penn state coaches and for me, I would not be surprised to see if Penn State is winning this game after, like, I don't know, maybe quarter and a half. But I just don't, I don't think they're better than Ohio State. I don't think they're, they're the better football team. They've been exposed twice now this year. And unfortunately, I think it's going to happen again and they'll get their third loss on, on Saturday. What say you, Mr. Flecka? Yeah, I think the first quarter is really important in this game for Penn State. If you can keep this game within a touchdown at all times and force Ohio State to, to play within the game, then I think you have an opportunity to, to pull off an upstate, upset. The way I look at it is that, you know, uh, Ohio State played in one big game this year and they lost, and they got punched in the mouth in that game against Oregon. All their other wins 
I've been against really the bottom end of the, the Big Ten and, and on top of that bottom end of their schedule as far as opponents are concerned. We've seen Penn State go into Camp Randall and play a great game. They went to, they went to Iowa City and played a great game. If not for the Clifford injury, probably upset number two Iowa. And, you know, they, they have this opportunity again to, to do something here on the road. Clifford's health worries me. I don't know if, if he's 100%. On top of that, you know, Penn State at times has looked really pedestrian on offense. You know, can they get their run game going? Can they keep Ohio State on their heels and not have to throw it every down to get explosive plays? Yeah, they have a great wide receiver in Dotson, but, you know, they're definitely going to be keying in on him, so who's going to be able to pick up the slack? On the other side, the Penn State defense needs to limit the run game. And if Ohio State's able to get their run game going, it's going to be a long day for Penn State because they're not going to be able to do whatever they want offensively. But I do think Penn State, in these types of games, under James Franklin, have usually come up to play. They've had close calls in, in Ohio State before. Uh, you know, great to those teams that they had at those times were a lot better than probably what they have now. But um, you know, he's been able to somehow play you know his best games of the season against Ohio State. So I think it's going to be patient and you know confidence to keep the game close. And I think we have a, a barn burner, but. If Ohio State gets, gets a 14 nothing, 21-7 lead early, and I don't know if Penn State then has you know, the offense you know, to, to come back in that game, but, but also like look at Ohio State at the end of the day, too. So if it's close after one, I think we have a game. If it's you know, a 14-point lead, like I said, I think Ohio State runs away with this. Are we still looking at Georgia, Cincy, Bama, and Oklahoma as your top four come uh, Sunday morning? I, I really you know, don't know because I don't know if Cincinnati's going to go undefeated. I still think that there's you know a, a potential hiccup for them down the road. They still have Houston and SMU left on their schedule. And I don't know, do you think the committee would let a two-win Bama team in if they lose to, lose in the SEC championship game? I, I don't I don't see how they could. No. Uh, obviously, a lot of that depends on you know what Ohio State looks like, Michigan, um, Oregon. Oklahoma too, you know. There's still a lot to be, you know, a lot to be. What's what it's going to look like, but um, I don't have a hundred percent faith that Cincy makes it. And Alabama is a real toss-up here because again, if they have two losses, is the committee letting them into the playoff? I, I don't know. Yep, I happen to be with you on that. Um, okay, we are going to switch gears now, Danny, to the National Football League. Danny Flecker with us here on uh, teeing it up. As I look at the Sunday slate here, and it's not the best Sunday slate ever um, that I've seen, but you get these weeks um, in the NFL. I'm sure that you are going to be heavily invested in the 2-5 and five Eagles versus the 0-7 oh Lions. Do I have that correct? Uh, from a fantasy perspective, yeah, because I have Jalen Hurts. But uh, from a viewing perspective, probably not. The, there you go. All right. Um I said to you the other day, and you called me crazy, that I think that the Chiefs have a chance, so sorry, that the Giants have a chance to beat the Chiefs because of the inconsistencies of the Kansas City Chiefs. Do you still believe I'm crazy? I do, because, you know, what, what's that saying? A, a wounded dog is the, the scariest dog or something like that. Um, the, the Chiefs are wounded. They have a lot of things wrong with them. Don't get me wrong. Their defense stinks. They turn the ball over too much right now. 
at the end of the day, you still have one of the best coaches in the league and one of the best quarterbacks in the league, if not the best quarterback in the league. No league is safe against them, even if they're they're down 14 points. And yeah, they got their their teeth knocked out last week against Tennessee. But Tennessee's played them very, very well over the course of the past three or four years. If you actually dive into the numbers, they beat them. They beat them three times, I think. The only time they lost them was in the playoffs in the AFC Championship game a couple of years ago. So the, the, the Titans understand how to play against them, and for some reason, the Chiefs have not figured it out yet. I don't think the Giants have that, that formula to beat the Chiefs, uh, or at least, you know, hold them off. You know, Tennessee has a great run game with Derrick Henry. Giants don't have a run game to speak of. They're down their weapons still. You know, whether or not they come back, I don't know. Um, and, you know, Arrowhead's a really tough place to play. So uh, there's a lot still that I think the Chiefs have as far as, like, their advantage is concerned come, come Monday night. And could the Giants play perfectly and beat them? Sure. Do I expect it? No. Um, there's only one matchup on Sunday between two teams with winning records, uh, and that is Buck Saints. And, look, if you're a New Orleans Saint fan, I think this is – kind of the okay you're at home it's a 425 game you're going to be in the spotlight mr winston if you would like to beat mr brady in the bucks this is your opportunity to shine on a big stage it's a four and a half point line for tampa it's not a ginormous line saints are four and two one and one at home bucks are two and one on the road how do you see this one playing out I think it's going to be a close game, but when when I break like, when I break it down, trying to figure out what side I want, I think you just you hit you did it for me. Jameis Winston versus Tom Brady. <laughs> At the end of the day, you know it's going to be Tom Brady that has the opportunity to to win this game. And do you trust Jameis Winston with the game on the line to to go down the field and get you a field goal or a touchdown to to win it or tie it? I don't, and I and I know the Saints have played. You know, Tampa very well. Everybody's saying how they, you know, beat them last year. But that was with Drew Brees, a full set of of complementary weapons, and, uh, you know, a very healthy defense. Their defense has been playing very, very well. But Winston, to me, is just not the quarterback that's going to be able to beat Brady. And if he does, Brady has to help him. And, and by that, I mean he needs to turn the ball over and really give the Saints some short fields there to take advantage of it. You know, they're, they're down. Their third kicker this year as well are the Saints. You know, a rookie guy they picked up off the streets. There's just too many factors to me at the end of the day that go against the Saints to pull off this upset. But I do think they'll keep it close. I, again, but when I look at it, I just look at Jameis Winston. And do I want to back Jameis Winston in this type of game? I don't. You know, let me see it. If he if he proves me wrong, great. But I'm not putting my money on him this week to do it. And I just think when you look at what Brady's been doing this year, um, you know, they, they seem to have things clicking. They probably have Gronk back as well for this game. That might be, you know, a big X factor for them. Um, but for me, it simply just comes down to Jameis Winston versus Tom Brady, and you know I think we all know how that's going to go. Yeah, Mister um, Interception uh, could uh, could 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 be some return nightmares in the making for um, Jameis. Is there anything else you want to point out here before we say adios? 
No, I think that the schedule this week on the NFL side is actually pretty decent. You know, some pretty good matchups, I think. You know, I know we don't have a ton of, like, winning teams playing each other, but, you know, same, I mean, L.A., Chargers versus the Pats is a very interesting game to me. You know, do the Pats, you know, have the opportunity, you know, have an opportunity there to go in and beat a good team? Um, can Cincinnati keep it rolling, even though they're playing the lowly Jets? Will they be able to keep things going on their end? Uh, Cleveland-Pittsburgh, I think, is going to be a very interesting game, too. You know, those two teams are jockeying for second place in that division with maybe a chance to, you know, overtake Cincy down the road. So there are some interesting games this week that I think we should keep our eyes on because I think it really will shape what the second half of the season looks like. And I appreciate you mentioning uh, that because I was going to do that if we had more time, uh, mentioning that that Cleveland-Pittsburgh um, game because it's another big test. You're bringing in... Pittsburgh on the road. Um, uh, uh, sorry, Pittsburgh's coming in on the road. You're a four-point favorite at home. Uh, you know those fans travel well. So even though you're technically playing at First Energy Stadium, it won't exactly be a, a 99% pro-Cleveland crowd. Uh, uh, yeah, sorry, excuse me, pro-Cleveland crowd. So anyway, Danny, thank you as always for coming on Teeing It Up, and I hope you have no nine-overtime games in your future. Uh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. All right, man. Have a good weekend. You got it. Same to you and same to all, uh, same to everybody out there. And we will see you back here next week.